0: Good morning, everyone. So, we can start our practice. Please sit comfortably and try to keep your back straight as much as possible. Take a couple of deep, long breaths. Breathe in through your nose. And breathe out through your mouth. Do it a couple of times to to relax your body and your mind. Please observe your body from top of your head to the tips of your toes to make sure that your body is relaxed. It's a beautiful morning and you all are here <coughs> to develop love and compassion within yourself and to and practice mindfulness even for a short time. Make sure to have the same intention throughout your practice, because intention makes practice better. If you're having a hard time relaxing your just think about the word relaxed and how you feel when you think about that word. The foundation of our practice is loving-kindness. Develop love and compassion within oneself and towards others. Think to yourself, May I be well? May I be happy? May I be peaceful. May I be well. May I be happy. May I be peaceful. (coughs) But at times, we, we have a difficulty of developing love and compassion within ourselves, because sometimes we don't like how we feel, how we look, how we do things. But once you accept as who you are, it's easy to develop love and compassion within yourself. Even during the practice, when you try to concentrate for a long time, you will find yourself get distracted with thoughts and feelings. And then you will realize that you are judging yourself and criticizing yourself for not being able to practice longer, paying attention longer. But if you develop love and compassion within yourself, instead of judging and criticizing your own self, you will give yourself another opportunity to practice each and every time when you get distracted. Now send your loving and kind thoughts towards your family members, your loved ones, your parents, your grandparents, your husband, your wife, your partners, your children, your grandchildren. Think about them individually if you like. Send your loving and kind thoughts towards them. May all of my family members be well, be happy, be peaceful. May all of my family members be well, Be happy, be peaceful. May all of my family members be well, be happy, be peaceful. Sometimes you might have a difficult family members or friends that is hard to get along with or had a bad experience. Please understand we all are human beings. We all make mistakes. Forgiveness is not for someone else, forgiveness is for ourselves, because we can let go of those negative emotions and feelings that we have towards somebody that will free ourselves. May all of my family members be well, be happy, be peaceful, Finally, send your loving and kind thoughts towards all living beings, human beings, non-human beings, people who are suffering without food, without shelters, people who are suffering because of natural disasters, At least we can send our loving and kind thoughts towards them. Thinking good about somebody, wishing somebody to be do good, to feel good, is not going to cost you nothing. Send your loving and kind thoughts towards all living beings. May all living beings be well, be happy, be peaceful. (coughs) May all living beings be well, be happy, Be peaceful. May all living beings be well, be happy, be peaceful. If you want to change your posture during the practice, please please change it mindfully and aware of each and every movements that you make. And be mindful about every moments that you make. Now all of you are the hearts and minds are full of love and compassion towards oneself and towards others. We can slowly start our mindfulness practice. Without forcing your breath, let it happen as usual and gently start focusing on your breathing. When you breathe in, understand and aware that you are breathing in. When you breathe out, understand and aware that you are breathing out. Pay attention to each and every inhale and exhale. You are in the present moment. You cannot breathe for tomorrow. You cannot breathe for yesterday. You are only breathing for this moment. So allow your breathing to bring you to present moment each and every time when you get distracted. And allow your breathing to keep you concentrated. When you pay attention to your inhale and exhale, you will start to pay a feel a subtle sensation of your breathing, maybe inside your nostril, or it could be on your upper lips, or maybe back of your throat. or down in the belly as it arrives with inhale and falls away with exhale. <coughs> Wherever you feel that subtle sensation, and you start to focus on that part of your body, if you don't feel that, which is okay, and still pay attention to your inhale and exhale, <clears> Thank <throat> you. Are you in the present moment or is your mind wandering? If you have a mind, you will always have thoughts. Do not try to stop your thoughts from coming to your mind. Each and every time when you get distracted by your thoughts, or thoughts, acknowledge and accept that you get distracted and bring your attention to focus on your breathing. This can happen many times, as many times as it happens. Bring your attention back to focus on your breathing. Please bring your palms together in front of your heart. Make a strong determination to practice this meditation, even for a short time. May no harm come to you, may no difficulties come to you. May all of you be well, happy and peaceful. Thank you very much. And you can open your eyes. Okay, let's do the chanting. Let's start with page 4. <coughs> <coughs> namo dasse bhagavato Arehato Samma Sambuddhase Namo dasse Bhagavato arehato samma sambuddhase namutase arehato samma sambuddhase BUDDHANG SARENANG GACHAMI DAMMANG SARENANG GACHAMI SANGANG SARENANG GACHAMI DUTYAMPI BUDDHANG SARENANG GACHAMI Duttyampi dhammam sarenam gachami. Duttyampi sangam sarenam gachami. Asiampi <coughs> gurga <coughs> sarenam gachami. Tatiyampi dhammam sarenam gachami. Tatiyampi sangam sarenam gachami. Anichavate sankara. Upad Vaya Dhammino Upad Jitva Nirujyanti Tesaṃ Upasamo Sukho Sabbe Hontu Sabbe Satta Abhyapajahontu Sabbe Satta Anigahontu Sabbe Satta Sukhi Pariharantu Mano pubhang madamma, mano setta manomaya, manasace karotiva sāthonam dukkha manveti chakkhang vaha tappadang manopubbangama dhamma mano, mano settha mano maya manasa ce pasannena vāsati vā kharo ti vā tato nāṃ sukha ti chāyāva anapāyini mine is the forerunner of all states <laughs> mine <is she>. mine <laughs> We believe in generosity towards others. We believe the skillful noble path is marked by generosity. May I become at all times, both now and forever, a protector for those who, without protection, a guide for those who, a ship for those who, with ocean to cross, a sanctuary for those in danger, a lamp for those without light, a place of refuge for those who lack shelter, and the servant all I need by means of these meritorial deeds. May I never join with unwise, only the wise, until the time I attain nirvana." (coughs) Good morning again. Did everyone have good practice? Yes. Good. Well, let's make it even better. So (laughs) So, Tyler is going to give you a talk, so... Okay, Tyler, it's all yours make us enlightened.
1: Good morning. Bonte. welcome back to the living. You've been very, very sick and yeah. now you look very, very well. Thank you. And Thank I asked you how you're doing and you go, I feel like a million bucks. Yeah. And then I thought to myself, how does a monk know what a million bucks feels like? <laughs> uh, Forgive me, I'm going to use a computer, and I hate when we do that up here. Uh, It just feels weird in the context of a place like this. But I feel lucky today because those of you who have been around a long time know I don't don't come up here very often to do a talk because that's not my job. But what I've discovered after 15 years is that monks are not trustworthy or reliable. Be- because because the agreement that Bonte and I made many many years ago is I'll run the business end of this place you run the teaching end of it um, and I'll do mine invisibly you your, you do yours publicly and he agreed to that but I can see him slowly and slowly breaking those agreements because I think this is my second talk in two weeks so forgive me for that uh, also though the way that normally this works is. Um, I'm driving here, and Bonte will text me, like he did two weeks ago, and he said, you talk today, comma, precepts. <laughs> That's So usually what it means is the monks got busy, somebody doesn't feel good, we have a problem to fix, and they need a, a fill-in. And usually I get no notice for that, which is fine. I don't mind that. Um, but this time I got to have a little preparation. And so I got to the last few days be actually thinking about what I wanted to talk about, so uh, I'm excited about that. And so I'm gonna share quickly the source of um, my subject matter. We, um, uh, Monday night, we have to go in front of the Historical Commission of Woodstock to get uh, approval for our big project outside that we're been amidst all summer. And mostly when I say been amidst it, I mean been amidst bureaucracy in order to be able to start it, as you can imagine. So Monday night, we're going in front of the Historical Commission, uh, and primarily we're talking about the, the Buddha statue that we're installing out front and this new med- outdoor meditation space that we're creating and the restoration we're doing on this beautiful old building. So I'll have to speak to the history of the building and all that, but more importantly, the question that they really want to understand is what is the symbolism that we're placing outside the building? What does it mean to our quote-unquote religion or this teachings, these philosophies? Um, and I'm going to be asked to speak about that, which is unfortunate. Um, Bante Rahula, I don't know if you know, but you're coming with me, because yeah. I'll talk, but I need your robes to sway these people. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what they're going to ask is, what is the p- importance of our symbolism? What is the core essence of what we're trying to accomplish here? And why we built this place and why we have made it into a refuge and sort of what's the objective? And that, that led me to, of course, have to do some thinking about how do I, how do I summarize all the, all the, the Buddha's teachings are and what this place is supposed to be in, I think I get four minutes of public talk or something, you know, whatever, something like that. Um, so I was mulling that over while I was also navigating some, uh, triage of the temple, which is one of my jobs where I get to deal with people who are unhappy with us, or have a problem, or think we did something wrong, right? I, I sometimes get to navigate that. And I was doing that last week with a particular email that said, we don't ever teach the Buddhist teachings. Why don't we ever teach the Buddhist teachings? Specifically, why don't we dive into like the the actual linear teachings, the way they're phrased, the way they're taught. And my first response was a little bit of anger and frustration, because I think we do that immensely, uh, and I think we do it incredibly well. Um, but I noticed in my reaction, my reaction was sober, sort of supersized, and whenever that happens, I know that there's actually, I'm responding to something that seems like must be the truth that I don't want to face. So I started to look at it, say, what's the truth of that? And what I, what I kind of realized is I still totally and profoundly disagree that we don't teach the Buddhist teachings. But we actually don't reference the teachings that much. We, we use metaphor and story, um, and, that's, and I'm so proud of that, and I think Bhante established this place with that as principle. Like, What's the point of intellectual wisdom if it doesn't move into our behavior and then become applicable to our daily lives? And so I think we do a great job of teaching the teachings through story and example of how to go out and use it. But I thought, is there a possible way that I could help the person who wrote that email and live up to our mission of making sure this is a tangible application in the real world? And I realized that the truth is it, there is. We, we could tell story, but then say what specific teachings we used to navigate a situation. So I'm going to attempt to do that. And uh, awesomely, it will help me with my talk on Monday in front of the Historical Commission, because these are going to be what I say I think the essence of Buddhism is. Um, I also uh, attempted to use ChatGPT. Has anybody tried it yet? <laughs> okay, So I went out to ChatGPT and I said, create an outline for a Buddhist-inspired talk uh, in under 30 minutes. And it was just terrible what it came up with. Um, it just like, it was, like really bad. It, it pulled the worst of the web and the worst interpretations of the Dharma, not the best of them in my opinion. So um, I did finally, however, with some investigation and contemplation, what I discovered is that really every single teaching of the Buddha, th- taught a- thousands of discords, thousands of public talks, thousands of one-on-one interactions with people during his lifetime, he had so many words and so many teachings, but, but they actually, all of them, in my opinion, fall underneath the Eightfold Path. That if you look at the Eightfold Path, really everything Buddha has ever taught, and everything that we actually teach, and everything that you garner when you pursue wisdom around mindfulness, I think falls under some, one of the eight of the Eightfold Path. And so I kind of want to start with that. Um, and, and so I'll just do a brief introduction to them, and then I'm going to tell a story about how to use them. So the the, the Eightfold Path, the, for those of you familiar, we did this year accomplish putting up stained glass in our Dharma Hall of each of the eight. Um, they're not worded the same as you see them on the Internet. Um, they're not necessarily worded the same as they were written in Pali or taught directly by the Buddha, but um, that that is just semantics. Uh, and so these are also semantics. It doesn't matter how we say them. So just keep your mind open about that. But the first one um, is right understanding. And right understanding, uh, and by the way, when I say the first one, I actually mean it. A lot of the Buddha's teachings are, I think, maybe Buddhists and some back in the day were obsessed with lists, because everything's a list, the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, the 37 Practices, the Ten Perfections, right? Um, But most of those are plug and play. The 37 practices are the ones I love the most. Um, You you don't read them linearly. You don't start with one and work on it and then advance to two and then work on it and then advance to three. You can start with 37 and then go to 14 and then go to one. But the Eightfold Path, the specific teaching was take these in order. Start with one and go to two and then go to three. But you don't stop one when you go to two. You incorporate one into two, then you incorporate one and two into three. That's how I interpret the teaching. And actually, uh, it, they, they're actually broken down. Of the eight, they're placed into three buckets. The first bu- the bucket, the first, the first three is ethical conduct. The second bucket of the eight is mental discipline, and the third one is wisdom, and they're in that order. So the first few are regarding ethical conduct, the second few are regarding mental discipline, and the third few are regarding wisdom. So uh, the first one is right understanding. And a simple way to say it is before passing judgment to others, seek to understand their perspectives and motivations. Right understanding. Right intention. Set clear and compassionate intentions before starting your day or any important task. Set clear and compassionate intentions before starting your day or any important task. The third one right speech. Speak truthfully and kindly, avoiding gossip harsh language, or hurtful words. For those of you who were here a couple weeks ago, you know that I, my personal belief is that the, the, all the problems in the world that we're experiencing currently are because we're not practicing right speech. Right action. Act ethically and with integrity in all of your interactions, whether in your personal life or at work. Right action. Right livelihood. Choose a profession or job that aligns with your values and does not harm others or the environment. Strive to make a positive impact through your work and avoid unethical practices. The next one, write effort. Put effort into cultivating positive qualities like patience, generosity, compassion, and work on reducing negative habits and tendencies through mindfulness and self-discipline. Then the last one, right concentration. I'm sorry, the second-to-last one is right mindfulness. Practice mindfulness meditation to stay present in the moment and become more aware of your thoughts, emotions, and body sensations. Notice I said that these are in order, and I just want to point out that right mindfulness and the word meditation is second-to-last A lot of times in this building and in in current what I call like Starbucks pop culture, you know, where wisdom is taught on the side of a teabag, mindfulness and meditation are so buzzy right now. But they're actually the second-to-last practice of the Buddhist core teachings of these Noble Eightfold Path. And one way you could say it is, what's the point of mindfulness or your meditation practice if you walk out in the world and don't behave with the benefits that you garner from that practice? So work on the other stuff first. Right concentration de- develop focused attention during tasks, enhancing productivity and the quality of work. Use meditation practices to cultivate a clear and calm mind, leading imp- to improve decision making and problem solving. Um, and then I'm just going to I'm just going to quickly read this little passage. Uh, practically, the whole teaching of the Buddha to which he devoted himself during forty five years, deals in some way or another with this eightfold path. He explained it in different ways and in different words to different people according to the stages of their development and their capacity to understand and follow him. The of those more than thousand more many thousands of discords scattered into the Buddhist scriptures is found in the noble eightfold path. It should not be thought that the eight categories or divisions of the path should be followed and practiced one after the other in the numerical order as given in the usual list above, but they are to be developed more or less simultaneously, so 1 to 2, then 1 2 to 3, then 1 two, 3 to 4, and as far as possible according to the capacity of each individual, meaning if someone lands on 1 and 2 and their whole lifetime is practicing one and two, that's enough. They are developed more or less simultaneously as far as possible according to the capacity of each individual, and they are linked together and each help the cultivation of the other. One helps the other. We could could also say the second-to-last mindfulness and meditation, many of the one, two, three, four, and five that came before it are capable and it's more possible for us to utilize those because of our mindfulness and meditation practice. So each one is really married to the other. These eight factors aim at promoting and perfecting the three essentials of Buddhist training, uh, which is ethical conduct, mental discipline, and wisdom. So uh, this last couple of months, let's say the last eight weeks, uh, we have been dealing with elderly parents. I think that everyone in my, I'm 48, it seems like every single person in my friend group is dealing with the same thing in one way or another, either preparing for it in the midst of it or grieving the exit of it. And so I guess that's just the era I'm in, right? And so um, about eight weeks ago began our journey. My mom, uh, who is a a semi-notable author um, and lives, she's 76, and lives a very, very robust life, travels, speaks, teaches, writes, uh, is highly engaged in the world. She went from that, that level of engagement to um, a full and total psychotic break within 48 hours. And that led to navigating the medical system, navigating incredibly diverse family dynamics, navigating mother-son wounds, and how to behave as a son amidst wounds, how to, how to show up in a way that others didn't show up, right? Uh, navigating all those feelings. Um, and then navigating a legal system of having her rights removed involuntarily in order to protect her well-being. And then navigating the bureaucracy of a, of a mental health system that's be far beyond capacity. Um, and then navigating or getting out and having a full recovery, all in a period of three weeks. And then about a week after that, my husband's uh, mom uh, also begins to fail in rapid progression. And so we've been managing for the last few years uh, her decline and figuring out how we will be noble stewards of that decline. And uh, we just navigated every landmine from homophobic family that won't interact with us, but we need their support anyway, to, um, you know, some members showing up and doing being of assistance and others not, uh, a decline happening so rapidly that a person who could do things now can't do almost anything, to, you know, completely uh, in, uh, incapable of uh, taking care of herself. And so that escalated all the way to uh, a week and a half ago, going to get her, uh, packing up her whole life, le- uh, moving her away from the town that she's lived in for her entire life, um, and getting her approved and set up in assisted living. And so we brought her back here and found just what we believed was the world's perfect environment for her to really flourish and be supported and loved. And we had so much drama. There's so much pain uh, and it's so difficult and so many wounds are being exposed that it has just completely blown up our lives in terms of like navigating things in a steady course or action. And uh, so we got, as we were packing her, it was just really terrible. She'd been in the space she was in longer than was appropriate for her, and so we were feeling very proud of this proactive caregiving we were executing. And we got her here and uh, what she's bringing here, and uh, we just couldn't have felt better about it, and she couldn't have felt more happy and grateful, and she's a religious person, and she was just quite literally thanking God like on a moment-by-moment basis that her life was about to get so improved. And then uh, everything fell apart. Her decline discontinued, and she was was no longer suitable for the assisted living. She's absolutely nowhere to live, and she's in our living room. And there is no path forward. I'm not saying this at all for sympathy. Not at all. What I'm saying is to set up the story for how we navigated that. Um, So we did have a few blow-ups. We had a lot of tears. Um, We definitely got into uh, disagreements around how to navigate, but um, things are pretty really steady and peaceful right now, and we really, really are doing just fine. And uh, I was reflecting for the last couple of days while thinking about this talk, and then rediscovering the the actual eightfold path for myself and looking back and saying, okay, how did we just navigate all of this so well? Because when we tell the story to our friends, they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. This is so painful, blah, blah, blah. That's not untrue, but we're also totally okay. Like both things live together. And so I've been spending the last few days reflecting on why have we navigated this so well? This is like the worst of the worst experience we're amidst. And yet, we're really solid and pretty deeply connected to our practice, to ourselves, to each other, um, and to our role as caregivers. And when I look back at what we've navigated, I always describe to people that meditation is one of the most frustrating things because you have to do it, and you have to do it, and you have to do it with absolutely no result, and no, no tangible evidence that there's any benefit or that it's working. And the way I describe it is is, um, it's much like the safety nets on the Golden Gate Bridge, you know, the suicide nets where they catch people who jump off. I think that uh, meditation is just like that in my lived experience. I do it and I do it and I do it and there's no benefit and there's no benefit and then there's no benefit and then I keep doing it. And then when I totally forget that I ever did it and when I completely forget about anything I learned... In the midst of chaos and drama and struggle, it shows up and protects me. It catches me, and so I've watched how this practice and these teachings caught us over these last months and these very difficult last two weeks. And each one of them just falls perfectly in alignment. So I first looked at right speech, and you know, right speech means um, uh, you know abstaining from telling lies from backbiting and slandering and talk that may be about hatred um, or disunity, disharmony among individuals or groups. Um, when one abstains from these forms of wrong and harmful speech, one naturally has to speak the truth, has to use words that are friendly and benevolent, pleasant and gentle, meaningful and useful. One should not speak carelessly. Speech should be at the right time and place. Uh, if one cannot speak something useful, one should keep noble silence. Um, we used right speech just over and over again. Just like choosing our words so carefully, recognizing the shattered identity of of people who are aging and what it's like to live with that sorrow um, and, and choosing every word not from our like m- impulsive, maybe, maybe triggered, angry or hurt state, but from our practiced state. Like how can I use my speech to bring comfort? Um, but also how can I speak, direct truths in a soft and gentle way, like, you can no longer live alone. We are taking your car keys away. This environment is no longer safe for you or for others. You can't speak to me that way. So we had to use that direct language, but in a way that was so compassionate and thoughtful of all involved. And so over and over and over again, we got to practice this right speech, right action, Uh, Right action aims at promoting moral, honorable, and peaceful conduct. It admonishes us uh, that we should abstain from destroying life, from stealing, from dishonest dealings, from illegitimate sexual intercourse, and and that we should also help others and lead a peaceful and honorable life in the right way. Right action. Um, People really, really, really did not have right action in some of the situations we've been up against. And it really caused extraordinary pain for our beloved family members and for our family and ourselves. Um, and I, I have rage in me that is easily accessible. <laughs> um, and so I had to watch as people's actions really harmed us and I had to like use that rage and transform it into positive steps that could be aligned with us getting closer to our goal and bringing love and compassion back into the room over and over and over again. Um, and what I want to really say is that I wasn't conscious as these behaviors were emerging. I was the recipient of them. So the practice over all these years put them inside of me and maybe put them around me and my lifestyle has them built in as sort of guardrails. But in the midst of this drama, I wasn't like saying, okay, I have to speak with right speech. I have to act with right livelihood or right action. I just was. It was my default response most of the time. Don't, don't hear me as being more uh, capable than I am. It wasn't all the time, but it was definitely most of the time. Right effort. The effort, um, right effort is the energetic will to prevent evil and unwholesome states of mind from arising and to get rid of such evil and unwholesome states that have already arisen within us and also to produce to cause to arise good and wholesome states of mind not yet arisen and to develop and bring to perfection the good and wholesome states of a mind already present inside of each of us. You can see how much this, this was utilized. So much intention setting. How do we want to behave? How do we want our interactions to go with our family members that we're in such unharmony with. Um, How do we want our behavior to be aligned? How hard do we want to work? What are we going to let go of worrying about in order to accomplish the larger perspective? Um, And most of the time, that meant us literally the night before planning out how will we wake up? What, What do we want to first say, first, second, and third? What will our practice be? How many times today can we meditate? Can we schedule them in amidst so much disharmony and so much struggle? How can we build in kind of monuments of time so that our actions and conduct can be in alignment with all that we've sat on cushions working towards? It's one thing to say we want to be this way. Now we're given the opportunity in the midst of real life to actually utilize those tools. Um, and then the, the, you know, the last bucket is on, and, and the two that live in the wisdom bucket are right thought and right understanding. And, um, right thought denotes the thoughts of selfless renunciation or detachment, thoughts of love and thoughts of nonviolence, which are extended to all beings. It is very interesting and important to note here that thoughts of selfless detachment, love, and nonviolence are grouped on the side of wisdom. This clearly shows that true wisdom is endowed with these noble qualities, and that all thoughts of selfish desire, ill will, hatred, and violence are the result of a lack of wisdom in all spheres of life, whether individual, social, or political. So right thought is what I landed on this morning. This These circumstances with our aging parents are going to very, very significantly derail the next course of our life. Total change plans, complete scene change, uh, complete financial change, the canceling of long-intended next steps. And um, there's a couple ways I can choose to look at that. One way that I have looked at it is... I've lived a a really purposeful life, done the work, worked really, really hard for what I have, um, and the the result of other people's inaction and irresponsibility is now gonna fall at my doorstep, and all I did is now gonna have to be utilized to help people who didn't. That's one way to look at it. And believe me, I have believed that as the truth for moments. But the other way to look at it is that uh, I I sincerely believe we have to have, we have to give it all away. I sincerely believe in our generosity uh, mantra that we all speak here every day in the middle of our practice, right? And so if, if we're here and called to be of service and to be in generosity, what an extraordinary experience that I'm being given such a pers- purposeful and clear way to be compassionate and generous and not attached and to surrender to whatever comes next and to not practice, atta- not to be clung, clung to what I wanted, but instead be open to what's revealing itself as the next way. Those are each choices. I could e- I can justify either viewpoint, but you can easily know which viewpoint brings me more peace and causes greater goodness out in my daily actions and in our family, right? It's just so easy. And so I tell that story to say these. what we're doing in here, we are directly teaching, sharing, and following the absolute and direct teachings of Buddhist history and wisdom. We just often talk about it metaphorically in the form of story. But you can see in my, in my own little journey here over the last couple of weeks and months, you can see how every single principle built into my response and my actions. And that's really the point of us being here. And so we have a lot of resources for that. Our, our Dharma talks, mostly run by the monastics, are really extraordinary in, in their ability to take our teachings and to say, this is how you use them in the real world. But, you know, Todd reminded me the other night when we were talking that we we also have like a really great book study where we're studying the actual teachings, right? We have a full library downstairs that's available for free to anybody who wants it of the authentic, actual, verbatim translations and teachings. Um, and I I tend to shy away from those. I find them pretty hard to make applicable in our real life. But we're so fortunate now that there's so many books. Our Our, our bookstore's full of them. Where people have taken those teachings and then, and then share with you, like I just did, how to directly apply them in your real life. And so, in some ways, I want to end by just saying, I think that this is the, the next level of our work together. That those, those of you who are new, we're so glad you're here in this format. But those of us who've been around a while, I think it's time for us to, like, really start to connect the dots between our practice and our actions out in the world. And I think there are a lot of roadmaps. They come in the form of people who come here and share their story and how they do it. And they come in the form of study, our book groups, our talks, and they come in the form of really studying the actual wisdom in in the books and manuscripts and suttas that have been left for us. Um, So I just want to invite everybody to embrace that. While we're pushing up, I'll do the announcement since I already got the microphone. First of all, um, Mr. Monk, would you tell us about the extraordinary event happening Sunday night? And then I'll add to it because you'll be too humble.
0: Yes. <laughs> if you haven't registered yet, tomorrow at 6.30 we have the Metta Sound Healing and Meditation. That's my first event here. And I'm mindfully excited. Yes. <laughs> yes. So it's only a few places left. So if you haven't registered yet so please register and I'm, I'm looking forward to see you all
1: yeah good so um, <laughs> bonte has been working so hard he's been saving money for so long he has been interviewing people and he found the right people and he, he flew out of the country to practice singing bowls and to find the right bowls he's been buying them and bringing them home so safely he's even going to change his car so he has the perfect car to <laughs> hold the singing bowls and he 's doing all this because this he wants to be this is his gift to us and to the world and and we all know that you know six percent of the words we use help people, and the rest of it is all how we feel and body language and sound in our environment and the set and the setting and so he 's really been so deeply practicing and committed to bringing us this sound healing experience and so tomorrow night's the inaugural and he's really was hoping it was small and so we're doing everything in our possibility to make it huge we all do better <laughs> when there's pressure so come on people sign up i think we got a couple spots left there's qr codes on the bulletin board over there uh, please come to that the um the, the the uh october 28th is our precept ceremony this is going to be from 10 to 11. Um, there are lots of classes i talked about precepts with bonte a couple weeks ago as a class we have ongoing zoom classes about some of the Thinking and preparation if you would like to be in uh, to consider taking the precepts or more certainly welcome to watch them uh, Check that out and get on to some of those classes if you're interested or at the very least come to our precept ceremony October 28th Assuming that my historical society meeting goes well tomorrow night We will have our project done by the 28th as well and be unveiling the new Buddha statue in our staircase and our new outdoor meditation space um, it's starting to feel like that's more of a, would, would require a miracle, um, than a reality, but we'll see if miracles, uh, exist in this particular area, but we're really trying. And then last but not least, um, compassion and action committees will be collecting men and women's clothing for Warp Corps homeless outreach program during all meditations between September 4th and September 23rd. So that'd be this one. Um, a bin will be in the social hall. Warp is requesting men and women's clothing, no socks, in sizes medium-large and extra-large, sweatpants, t-shirts, leggings, jeans, all that kind of stuff. Um, and also we're collecting food donations weekly for the Woodstock Food Pantry. Um, collection bins can be found in the shoe room at the temple. Uh, don't forget our farmer's market where most of us are over there right now cooking and selling food. We'd love for you to walk over and have some food. We're almost at the end of the farmer's market season, so get it, get it fast while it's still here. Thanks everybody, have a good day.